This is the Glisten Up Podcast. And we are Megan and Brad. Welcome to our show. So you'll probably learn a lot about Megan and I and our relationship through this podcast, but I think a good place to start that also intertwines with our careers is July 2017 in New York City. Meg, do you remember that? Yeah, such a time. (laughs) Zero dollars in our pockets. Zero. Uh, We had both just graduated college and we were just trying to navigate like city life, not really knowing what was going on. Zero clue. But we actually were not dating. No, but I did go to New York City hoping that I might run into you (laughs) as 9 million people. So here's the funny thing, and this is kind of where it restarts for the 27th time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) is we were texting because we knew like, oh, hey, you're down in the city. I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm here. He's like, oh. It was that classic moment of texting where you text and you see the three bubbles come up and you're like, uh, is she responding? And then you eventually get it and like every word you're typing is is super nerve wracking because you realize like you're just trying to get back in the door, but <laughs> didn't know. Well, also I didn't really know anyone in New York. I had just moved from Philly. So like it was kind of comforting to know. Me. Yeah, it was comforting to know that you were there, but I, I also had no idea how to navigate the city. So I was like, oh, you're in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn too. But then I was also like, okay, like Brooklyn's huge. And you were staying with who in Brooklyn? I was staying with my cousin. Yeah. And you? What was that apartment like? So I actually was able to stay there the night before. So I had an internship at Dance Magazine. That was like my in to New York City. I was so excited. And I didn't have a place to stay because everything was so freaking expensive. And I had zero dollars. Yeah. So I texted my cousin and I, she was like the only person I knew that lived down in the city and she let me stay in her closet. It was a closet. It was a closet and she blew up an air mattress for me and that is all, that is all that fit in that air mattress. So I remember just lugging my, I had like one bin of leotards for dance and another hanging rack of like the few nice work clothes I had for the internship. And for anyone that, I mean, I know a lot of people listening are from New York City or lived in New York City. New York City in July is not a desirable time to be in New York. And I think you had AC, but anytime you walk out in in Brooklyn, New York City in July. Oh my God, it was brutal. So there I am like lugging, picture me like dripping sweat, walking with this hanging rack down the street, cobblestone streets, Brooklyn. Um... Chevelle's uh, shout out. Chevelle's. Chevelle's is a good spot. spot. But we have to get to your story as well. Yeah. I um, didn't know what I was doing after graduated undergrad in December 2016. Mm -hmm. I just finished up soccer and I wanted to teach, but then I had second thoughts about teaching um, and decided to go to grad school. And I went to grad school for higher ed administration, so I wanted to work in a college setting. So I applied to a couple different schools and I happened to get into Teachers College, which is the uh, education grad school for Columbia. And I thought this was a great opportunity, obviously given, um, you know, the prestige of what Columbia is and probably the people that would be there and what I would learn. 
And yeah, just putting all the options together, it seems like the best one. And I was ready for a new experience and I knew Megan was moving down there too, even though we weren't talking or dating. And, um, I knew I had to live up by the university, but I didn't know how to navigate the apartment scene. But people had told me that things change over really fast. So (laughs) you have to be there on the spot with a check to, to get a, a place. So I figured it'd be good to go down and sublet for cheap first. And then use my free time to go look at apartments closer to school. So the cheapest place I could find was in Brooklyn. And I think I found it through Facebook. Yeah. And I lived with seven jazz musicians. Maybe it wasn't seven. I'm exaggerating. But a bunch of jazz musicians (laughs) from Manhattan School of Music. They had graduated. um, And they were super cool guys uh, that they were always playing instruments or cooking when I came home. And... Um, I got this tiny, tiny apartment down in the basement in a corner Brutal. where the window is looking out like an alley with like drips coming yeah, out yeah, and yeah. moss. <laughs> and uh, it was funny. I was there for a month and just trying to find places. So I was just on Craigslist, on Facebook, on whatever websites. To, so there we were uh, yeah. in Brooklyn, not knowing that we're both there at the time mm-hmm. in that dark hole of a room that you had and in my little closet with an air mattress and I think you texted me like where in Brooklyn are you yep and like at that point I was still you know there's a million different parts to Brooklyn and I had just had no idea either I was like um I'm on I'm off of Franklin Street um on what was it like Prospect maybe Prospect Place or something Franklin. Yeah, Franklin. Yours was Prospect. I feel Prospect like and Sterling. Franklin. And yours was Sterling and yeah. Franklin. And so you said, no way. I'm off of Franklin too. Mm. So I remember you sent me your address. And uh, I Googled <laughs> I Google mapped it. And it was literally around the corner. Oh, it was like two streets over. <laughs> it was yeah. two steps. And I was like, what in the world? Yeah. And I think it was a result of not knowing anyone down there. Yeah. And us in the beginning and like that perfect timing, like as someone trying to get back in your good graces, I could not ask for a better scenario. <laughs> like Honestly. not a lot going on. And I think we got lunch the first couple days, like in between your dance magazine work and like yep. I was so still in the doghouse. Like you, Total. You totally had a wall up still. Guys, but, just so you know. I broke up with Brad in college. <laughs> Valentine's <laughs> Day. On Valentine's Day, my senior year of college. Yikes. Because, who can relate, I wanted to go to New York, graduate, move to New York City, be a professional dancer, and I just did not have time for this old high school boyfriend. People that can kept... relate to that, being a professional dancer in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> entrepreneurs, dancers, yeah. athletes. You broke up with me in high school for being on the soccer team. I was going to say, we can relate to breaking up for new beginnings. New beginnings slash sports. (laughs) And sports, yeah. So let's just recognize that that had happened. And so now it's how many months And we'll get into those six or seven breakups and what we've learned from them and how we've grown from that. But for anyone out there that's gotten back together. This is not a love podcast. So let's just... We're just giving you guys a little like lowdown. Can learn a lot from... From relationships and ours, I think. Anyways, we're in New York City. We both don't have laundry in our apartment, so washer and dryer. So we ended up navigating how to do laundry together and wheeling or bagging everything up and going down the street. And I feel like we would go at like midnight 
because we both had. Yep. What were you doing at the time? Super were you late. at Columbia? I had my job was starting up relatively soon, but I really this is so funny. It was really just apartment searching, mm-hmm. kind of hanging out with friends, and watching all the Game of Thrones. You totally. I did. was not a Game of Thrones guy, and they had an HBO subscription, and I sat in the basement when I had nothing to do in New York City, and they had AC in the basement. I watched Game of Thrones, and it was it, it was fun. And then I would go do stuff at night, and <laughs> it was just that time where I was like freaking out because I had no money, so I couldn't really go out and do anything. Yeah. I was just trying to search for apartments, so I was on the clock with that, and. Yeah, I, I was just in it. So everyone was on the hype of Game of Thrones at the time. So I was like, I'll get in on this. So I ended yeah. up doing that and eventually found an apartment. Quick pause to talk to you about the absolute best sweatproof jewelry out there. I'm talking about the one and only OXB, our exercise brand. You guys know if you follow me on Instagram, this is my favorite jewelry. It is all of the jewelry that I wear. OXB is a small business based out of Denver. It is female founded and I absolutely adore the founders and the company Everything is personalized for you. Everything is handmade from necklaces to bracelets to earrings. Everything is high quality and made with love. I had the opportunity to go teach a city sweat class at the Our Exercise Brand store in Denver this summer, and it was an absolute blast. So you can use my code TEAMMEGAN to get 30% off any of your orders. I highly recommend the custom bar name necklace. I have one that says Glisten, of course. And another one of my favorites is the Bolt Charm necklace. So you're going to head over to shopoxb.com and use the code TEAMMEGAN, that's T-E-A-M-M-E-G-H-A-N, for 30% off all of your orders. That's shopoxb.com, code TEAMMEGAN. All right, so you're at Dance Magazine. Mm -hmm. You're down there. You're kind of getting in the scene. You wanted to get in the scene more, I remember, and you wanted to make some money too. So what was your next step? So honestly, I was on Broadway Dance Center's Facebook group because mm-hmm. I had done their program, their summer program in college. So they had a lot of like kids that were like, either like, oh, I have an apartment or this job is really good for like a quote unquote side hustle. Honestly, that's what Facebook is still good for. Yeah. The it groups, really is. Those groups, groups that you can exchange and especially for housing. Okay. Side totally. Note. Um... So yeah, I was in that group and I saw a posting for a hostess at Lincoln Restaurante. So Lincoln Restaurante. So Lincoln Restaurante is in Lincoln Center where the Metropolitan Ballet is. It's so beautiful. And I thought this would be a perfect opportunity for me to get a little hostess job. What was that funny restaurant across the street that we ate at? PJ. <laughs> what is no, it? Right. I don't know. PJ yeah. Hooligan. <laughs> yeah. So someone uh, message us if they can remember. Oh my gosh! What with is the that? Checkered uh, tablecloth. PJ Wilkers. Yeah, yeah. Someone <laughs> please send us. The well, that was the restaurant we were eating at, but I was hostessing at the, the much nicer place across the street. Much nicer, only in hopes, really, that like I would get to meet a ballerina and just like. Somehow she would take me under her wing and like just really don't make connections, you know. Yeah, twenty-two-year-old things. Yeah, totally. So I was there, and you know, whoever has been a hostess can relate, especially the high end, remembering every single detail of every yeah, single person, which I, I don't literally memorize. That like 
the CEO of LinkedIn liked mm-hmm. lime in his water or like three limes in his water. And I had to write it on a receipt and give it to the waiter when they walked in. Well, I think this is like a, a restaurant industry um, incentive or not incentive, but positive thing. It doesn't matter whether it's the CEO of LinkedIn or it's just a normal everyday person. When they come in and they feel like a sense of belonging because you remember something, mm. For me, right, the local coffee shop I go to, they know my name. And they knew my name from day one. So that, for me, is so important why I keep going back. So I think it, 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 there's higher stakes when there's those people involved, and it's super, super nice. Mm-hmm. But I think restaurants in general try they try their best to do that. But yours was a whole other level to it because there's just a lot more on the line. And also the fact that like, I really wasn't looking to do anything that involved restaurant and that some people are amazing at customer service and being a waitress or a bartender like yeah, I, admi- I admire those people because <laughs> you're I, totally not that person i'm not and i love to chat but like i you know what you know what it is when i'm working working i don't feel comfortable being social because i feel like i have to be like serious mm. in college as in it I think that might be a dancer thing too. I think it's been a habit of you since you were young. Like you took five AP classes and when you socialize, you socialize like at at dances, like in high school and in times outside of school. But when it was time for work, like homework, like you were locked in. So that's always been a tendency of you like from a young age. It's interesting that now with city sweat, it's so fun and crazy and like you've mixed it now. I've mixed it now. But back then I didn't know how to, that was something I really had to learn. I didn't know how to be social and have fun and also do my job. Well, when you're so well versed and trained in something, you can start to have fun in it because Mm. it's, it's natural, right? Like your muscle memory of, of dance and the different moves like comes so naturally now. You don't have to worry about being so disciplined, but I think for everyone, like when they're on, when they're developing in any skill set, like that discipline piece gets them to the level where they can just enjoy and, and be part of it. Um, but yeah, you have to have that discipline to start. Right, right, right. You really do. And usually it comes at a younger age. I think when we get older, we tend to shy away from that because we're afraid what people think of us when wow, like, why is Brad not hanging out and he's trying to learn a second language and, like, all he wants to do is talk in that language all the time. And, yeah, I think at a young age we're more open to that, but we get older and we get away from that a bit, so. Yeah, that's true. So, basically, I didn't want to be at Lincoln Restaurant. No, you didn't. Is the moral of the story. Um, And Brad said, so at that point we were chatting, like, we were texting, we had gotten lunch, whatever. He asked me about Did my we go new to the job. beach. Fourth of July. Fourth of July. So we're when you said July, it was more like June because we started in June. Okay. So now we're into like now we're into July. I have the job, and you told me about the two week rule, which yes, do you the still use? Rule. I think it's a great rule that I pass on. Can to you share it with us? My my players. Um, so I think when it comes to jobs like hostess or really any job I feel like you can relate it to, the first two weeks you should put your head down and do the work that's asked of you and not 
in, inject any of your ideas or opinions unless if you're asked to. Um, and if you are asked, just be, you know, don't try and step on anyone's toes. But really what it is for that first two weeks is do what's asked of you, learn as much as you can. And then after that two weeks, you can pick your head up. And if you like where you're at, you can start maybe sharing your ideas a little bit more or asking questions of people, why is this, why is that? Or at the end of that two weeks, if you don't like where you're at, you've given it a fair enough shot and you've given the people a fair enough shot where you had enough interactions where you can make a judgment that this isn't for me. But if you just give it a day or two or even four or five days, you might not see all of it. But then at the same time, you might really like it the first four or five days. But then on that 10th day, you're like, whoa, this is a toxic environment to be a part of. I don't want to be a part of this. So yeah, I think the two-week rule is a, is, is a decent one. It's um, a good enough time for you to realize, like you said, catch on to any red flags or grow to like what you're doing. Yeah, and I think personally too, in, in an era where everyone wants their opinion to be heard, it's hard to do that where for two weeks you are not giving your opinion. But I think it really, really works. And That's a good tip. You gain such respect from it. And what, like, this is a small example, but I worked a summer in Martha's Vineyard and I got a dishwashing job at this restaurant slash brewery. And it was awesome. And dishwashing is a terrible job, but I was happy to have a job and I was getting paid pretty well for it. So I put my head down and I didn't give the chefs anything um, and I just did my job and then after two weeks I actually got moved on to do busing and bar backing which gave me tips which gave me more and I still dishwash like once or twice a week because I had the respect of the chefs back there and if everyone's worked in a restaurant it's really important to have you know good juju with the the chefs because you don't want they're making everything but then with the front people too like it's nice to have a good environment so that two week reel really really worked in that environment and I think it works outside we're just talking about restaurants right now but I think it works outside of that totally too. you I gain the respect of your co-workers in a better way if you if you put your head down and go to work right away yeah so I listened to you and did the two-week rule even though I really wasn't feeling it mm-hmm. <laughs> however was this after or during? I think this was also during my two-week time at Lincoln Restaurant Day. Mm-hmm. I needed another job. And I loved fitness alongside dance. Um, so I thought personal training could be cool. So I went to, I think there was a Crunch Fitness down the street, and I had never seen Crunch before. Is it a New York City chain? I'm not sure. You always see it around New York City. Yeah. So there was one in Brooklyn, and I remember I had just been going to just, I always use the gym as a release from all things dance because it could be so disciplined, and it's great, but it can be stressful um, with memorizing counts and steps and choreo and all of that. So I would go to the gym as like a release. So I think I had been going to crunch that whole summer and I was like, wait a second, I could go here and train people. Wait, was it crunch? Didn't we just get free gym memberships for months? We did. At like different places. Oh my God. Just to get by. <laughs> because you know what? At some of the crunches, they had like the saunas and the showers and others they didn't. So we yeah. were like, I think you could hop around and give a different email or something. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, So we funny. were. We wow. were riding on that. Um, and so I applied to be a personal trainer. I had a degree in dance. And 
that got me an in. Mm -hmm. So I started. And the two-week rule could simply not apply. That was just a terrible model. (laughs) Tell them about the model of crunch. Sorry, crunch for this, but... Yeah. Also, I don't know that this that this could be still true of personal trainers. And this is not to knock. This is just simply what I felt like I loved and I felt like was not for me. As a personal trainer starting out, I had to go around to I think it was 10 people in my like 3-hour shift and quote unquote like correct their form or ask them how their workout's going or like get into a conversation to try to attract these gym goers as personal training clients. But if you know, if you've ever been to Crunch, you know what, I think it is a little different these days, but when I was there in Brooklyn, whatever, was that Crown Heights? This was the Crown Heights Crunch. It is all 40 year old men lifting weights. That was it. And I was there like middle of the day. Gotta correct their form, come on. So there I am, 22 <laughs> years old, like not much experience in fitness at all no. at that point. And I remember they gave me a notebook and they're like, all right, like go. And and you have to write down who you talk to. Then you have to get their name. And I'm just thinking the whole time when I'm at the gym, I do not want someone to come right. up to me, let alone a 22-year-old girl up to a 40-year-old guy lifting with his friends being like, oh, hey, um, can I please correct your form? I see that this knee is slightly... What, what and here's my thing. I'm with you at the gym. I don't want to be bothered in a sense, but I remember being younger and I liked the gym as a social place. I think some people do still go to the gym to meet new people and be social. So I get why that model is is great, but I feel like we're in the majority here that people don't want to be disturbed during their no. own workout. Yeah. Let alone, as I said, a 22-year-old girl going up to a 40-year-old guy and saying, hey, oh, also, can I get your name? And the thing was I had to write down their name and maybe their email. And Well, I think they liked that, the exchange of numbers from a 22-year-old girl. I don't think they needed you to correct their form. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. So super salesy, super not my thing, and also just I am, I am also, might I add, more shy than I am now. So that was the two-hour rule you applied to. That was the two-hour rule. I went to the bathroom, I cried, and I left. I said that I got into a dance company and I decided to leave, which was... Classic white lie, Megan. I mean, I hoped that I would get into <laughs> a dance company, but that was the total two-hour Can't just role. tell the truth. You just... Let, why don't you tell us what you were doing at that time where I was at Lincoln? No, I think a cool story to tell at that moment... Um, is Manhattan Soccer Club. I ended up coaching there for two two seasons and really, really enjoyed it. And it gave me, I mean, it gave me so much in New York City when I was in and out of classes and in and out of a lot of different jobs. And I just needed to get on the field and release and, and do what I do best and what I do now, which is, which is coach and coach soccer. And I just sent an email to the, the director of Manhattan Soccer Club just to be part of the U23 team. So they have a team every summer where anyone under age 23, and I was definitely going to be the oldest kid on the team, but I was down there and I was kind of overplaying. I, I wanted to move on to coaching, but 
I wanted to stay in shape a little bit, so I just emailed him. He's like, yeah, come by practice Tuesdays and Thursdays. And getting out to Randall's Island when you don't have a car in New York City is is pretty Ooh. pretty crazy, especially from Brooklyn. So I ended up having to take two or three trains and a bus over to the field, and I got there early. And, you know, I think this one practice had like 50, 60 people at it. It was, it was pretty wild, and um, it was good just to – to run around again but then the director after said hey do you coach and i was like yeah i've coached some teams in the past and it's like you want to coach here it like pays well and you know x y and z and i was like yeah i'll take whatever so i ended up um being assigned a, a girls team i think it was u12 or u13 which is hilarious in new york city because all these girls are getting revved up to do ba and bar mitzvahs and um it's just one girl was like the winner of the kids cooking challenge that was the second year <laughs> yeah i had the young I, no my team the second year had junior top chef winner and the youngest author i think in the u.s oh my gosh she wrote a book at age nine so Unbelievable families. That was so. Um, what a cool experience. Such a positive impact for me. And but what I can say, that email, just to go out of your way to, like, okay, like, all right, they answered it back. Like that was the lifeline I needed. And then I easily could have looked at my phone and been like, wow, it's like, I don't want to go up on a Tuesday night to Randall's Island at eight o'clock and and play. And mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get home till midnight and have to take all this stuff home and. I ended up just doing it, getting a job offer from it. I actually met a friend that drove me to and from practice from them. Um, and I met some good people within the city. And then that opened me up to a lot of people through Manhattan Soccer Club, families and fellow coaches that I met. And such a positive thing um, throughout my time in New York City. So, yeah, my general advice to that is informational interviews, uh, reach out emails just to see what opportunities might be there. Um, even if you're just halfway in to start can lead to, to big, big things and people just need to give you a chance sometimes. Um, but yeah, you got to go out of your way to, to message those people. At, at those points when you are either new or inexperienced maybe, or just need to fight to get to where you want to be. I think that saying yes to everything. I know a lot of people are are, yes. yeah. are against that now. It's like, oh, say no, say no. But when you're at that point, as we were, mm-hmm. 22, 23, fresh, at, fresh into New York, $0, like going for what you want. And that means you say yes, you send out the emails, the amount of emails that I've, that I had sent out to dance companies, to dancers onto that Facebook group, like joining a million groups. Um, I mean, look, this was you 12 girls Yeah. that like, I've never coached girls before. And it was three practices a week and a game a week. I had grad school, Island. I had grad school classes. I had an internship a work-study job on campus, and I was trying to be social in New York City, too. So between all those things to take this on where I had to go from, yeah, 120th down to catch the bus over to Randall's Island three times a week, um, and then on weekends, too, be taken up by that, um, was a lot. was a huge time commitment, but I knew it was worth it to balance it at that moment for a lot of different reasons, and, you know, the money part of it, was great. Like it probably kept me afloat, honestly, in New York City. Um, so I'm super grateful for that component of it. Like I said before, to get on a field 
when you're a suburb kid and just used to being able to go out wherever you want um, and play um, was super nice to go over there. And then the people I met from it um, was, was awesome. So yeah, I think you have to say yes in certain moments, especially when you're in college or just graduating college. And to your point, like you said yes to crunch, but ended up being toxic and you got out of it. But sometimes a no is also good and realizing that that's not what you want to do because it just gets you that much closer to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. A check off the list is also a good thing. And it's a learning lesson. I learned that I was not salesy. Um, I was not as confident as I should have been, you know, and that it just was not my thing. So I think those opportunities are also learning lessons. So although you say yes, you can also learn to say no, and that's all good. Um, but those are were huge learning experiences for us in the beginning. Yeah. And when I left New York City, I think that was one of the hardest things to leave was Manhattan Soccer Club because like the relationship I built with, you know, 45 plus families. Um, yeah, not like the crazy social life or the grad degree or it's those connections yeah when you're doing what you love it was that and um i think that really propelled me to to move up and 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 take a kind of full-time coaching step um rather than half into maybe education education is always going to be a part of what i want to do um and teaching um and you do that when you're coaching but yeah it Send, send that email. Send that email. Send that email. And have be uncomfortable with having that conversation for a little bit. And um, I think first person I met there, just shout out to, to Freddie, um, who unfortunately passed away from COVID. He's one of the first people I, I found out. This was very early on, April. And Freddie gave his life to soccer and um, such a good, good coach for Manhattan Soccer Club. And he's the first person I met. When I showed up there and so friendly, I think an immigrant himself. And um, yeah, shout out to Freddie. Wait, don't go. If you like the Glisten Up podcast, we appreciate a follow and you telling others about us. Yes, we would so appreciate if you could give us a five-star rating, leave us a little review and share with anyone who you think would benefit from this podcast. Any questions you want answered or topics you want us to talk about, feel free to drop a comment. Make sure to screenshot your review and either tag it in your stories or send me a DM with your review and I will enter you into a giveaway to win something really special from the Glisten Up podcast. All right. Welcome to the Glisten Up podcast. Welcome to the Glisten Up podcast. This is Brad Campion. No, again. <laughs>